When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This podcast is intended for entertainment and opinion. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 988 or use the resources listed in the episode description. To see the sources and other resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit psychologicallymindedpod.com. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming topics, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. And finally, please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes as they post. Enjoy this episode! Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I'm your host, Grace Fowler, and today is a very special holiday episode. The theme of this week's episode is women friendships because it is almost Galentine's Day. If you aren't familiar, Galentine's Day is celebrated the day before Valentine's Day and focuses on the gal pals, the female friends, the lady loves in your life. The idea first came from the show Parks and Recreation, where Leslie Nope hosts a party for the women in her life on February 13th to celebrate female friendships before the 14th, where traditionally people celebrate their romantic relationships. And just a little background for me is that ever since I saw that episode of Parks and Recreation, I have thrown a Galentine's party of my own, dating back to probably about 2016. And it has become a bit of a tradition in my life and in my lady friends' lives as well. And so it just seemed fitting that I should also bring that energy and that celebratory uh, event to the podcast as well. So to celebrate Galentine's Day on the pod, I had my dear friend, Dr. Anne Renault, back again for a discussion about women friendships. We break down an article that talks about psychodynamic psychotherapy for women who are struggling to connect with other women, and also share a little bit about our own experiences with friendships with other women. So I hope you enjoy hearing our discussion and learn a little bit more about this topic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion. Okay, let's dive in. Okay, Anne, hello, welcome back to the pod. We're here for a very special topic today, and that is one of our favorite holidays, Valentine's Day. <laughs> we wanted to do this topic because both of us care very deeply about women and, and women having friends and, and the kind of beautiful power of, of female friendships. Um, and I know for me personally that 
women have been really instrumental in my life and kind of bringing me into the field um, and enhancing the ability that I have to be a therapist. Or the female friends have like kind of buoyed me <laughs> through through my journey so far. Um, and it has become kind of like a passion of mine of like helping other women to feel empowered to relate to the women in their lives and kind of build those friendships. So I think it'd be helpful for the audience to know what brings you to this topic as well. Yes. Um, well, thank you, Grace, and thank you for having me back. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I just want to say to your listeners that we can't can't overstate um, your investment in Galentine's. I was familiar with Galentine's Day before meeting you, but um, I have never known someone to, I wouldn't say center your whole year around it, but it is definitely a holiday highlight. And I'm very honored to um, join on this topic. Um, I too feel just such a, a deep gratitude for my um, friendships with the women in my life and um, feel very lucky um, to, to have these relationships and, and similar to you have felt that they're just absolutely sustaining to me um, in, in reflecting on this to prepare to, for this conversation. I, I I thought about how being an only child who desperately wanted sisters when I was young, um, I think that kind of shaped me to seek out that sisterhood type of connection um, mm. with with girls and eventually women um, in, in my life. And I think I have invested a lot of energy in my friendships and just feel like very um, fortunate to have had that returned and been able to maintain close friendships from different eras in my life. So I'm excited to be here. And and we actually celebrated Galentine's together last year. Um, and, and sort of that, I think, kicked off the conversation with us and opened our eyes to this idea that not everybody has the same um, obsession with female <laughs> friendships or level of um, value in, the, in their female friendships. And, and we've been kind of reflecting on that since. So excited to talk about it today. Yes. Great reminder of kind of like where this started. Cause I think you and I have been, it is, you know, the air we breathe, female friendships, but kind of the, the catalyst for some conversations we've been having more long-term was a series of conversations that happened um, in our first professional placement together where we really encountered that there were a lot of women in the field of psychology who had a lot of kind of negative thoughts or negative perceptions about female friendship. And it kind of rocked both of our worlds of like, oh, not everyone is like so happy to be friends with other women. Um, and so we kind of started to talk about that. And that really, this is part of kind of the outgrowing uh, of that conversation. Um, other things have come out of that as well, but you know, to be to be released later on maybe um but this is kind of one of those conversations and we um we wanted to talk about this obviously in a place that could be helpful to other people to kind of highlight maybe some of the things that do get in the way of other women becoming friends with with women um and like where those things kind of come from right because this podcast is all about analyzing kind of like what messages are out there and where they come from so we're really going to center this conversation around an article we read by F. Diane Barth called uh, Not Good at Friends, Bringing a Woman's Friendships into the Frame in Psychodynamic Psychotherapy. 
which is like hit all the bells for both of us. Psychodynamic psychotherapy written by a woman about women friendships across the lifespan. It was a fantastic article. Um, but so we have a couple of things we pulled from that article and other stuff from our conversations. But I think before we dive into that, just kind of up top, what were your perceptions of this article and this like topic in the context of therapy and psychology? Yeah, um, I think just the complexity of, of female friendships and like so many other emotional pains in life, um, the pain that comes from feeling like you're different in some way and that belief that everybody else or almost everybody else has it all figured out or has this like, glorious in this case like social life and friend life and intimacy and that you just messed it up and aren't cut out for that and um and then as a therapist i i felt it was very cool there's some great examples of the people working through um, that very issue in their own therapy and just name it to tame it right and in you may not even realize that this is a problem you may have just um, come to just accept it and and then in in really bringing the topic into therapy and working through it um, re expanding the definition of what's possible and, and reframing yeah great summary of the article too um, and I think it it essentially is like a two case studies of patients that this person the author worked with who one of the I don't know if it was necessarily the primary problem, but like through working with the client, like it, it became clear that relating to other women was like a pretty big barrier to their well-being and was something that they had a lot of like beliefs about. And I don't know, there's just like a lot kind of packed around this belief that like they couldn't relate to other women in the way that they expected or thought they were supposed to. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that kind of comes down to the crux of like what we're going to be talking about is these ideas of what women friendships are supposed to look like and how that gets in the way of being able to build really meaningful friendships with other women. So I think before we dive into the, the shadow side or the, the dark side, it's important for us to talk about like, what are the benefits of female friendships? And I, we've kind of shared in our own experiences, like just the benefits that they've reaped in our lives. But there is also like research that backs up why women becoming friends with other women is super important. Um, and I found this little study that was a little bit random. It was definitely not a real world study. It was like some people doing like puzzles together. I don't know. It was, it was out there. But essentially what they found was that when women paired up with women that they already had a connection with, so like that they either had worked with before or had had a friendship with, that while they were working on this very stressful task, if they were working with someone that, that they knew or were friends with, their cortisol levels were lower during the stressful task than if they were with like a stranger or someone they, they didn't have a connection with. And the researchers basically said that like for women, the way that they kind of collaborate together under stress is a different type of stress response. And it's more of the tend and befriend response than it is the fight or flight, which is kind of more expected to see either in solo people or in masculine people. So I thought that was really interesting that like physiologically having women friendships like reduces stress and allows us to get into a space where we can have a different type of response to stressful situations than if we were on our own. Uh, but that's just, that was just a little extra sprinkle of the benefits of female friendship. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And um, 
I mean, I don't know if I would be kicked out of that study because I am so stressed out by puzzles that I may actually raise anyone's cortisol just uh, <laughs> by needing to do a puzzle near my stress. But um, that's really interesting. And I think on a less academic note, um, I mean, obviously so many different benefits. I think one for partnered people, um, men, women, anything in between, having friendships keeps you from maybe putting all of your eggs in that one basket and relying on your partner for all emotional needs. Um, yes. My experience, super important. Um, and maybe having people that you can relate to in a different way and, and connect with. It's also a big benefit that comes to mind for me. Oh yeah. And I think as like practicing therapists, like we're doing clinical work every day, it's really important to have people that are not your partner to be able to talk to because we, not that we like, we're not telling stories <laughs> what our clients say, but like to have support from other people when you've spent a day sitting, holding pain and trauma and containing emotions for other people that you need that container like outside of work and it cannot just be your partner and I think both of us have been in times where maybe it unfortunately has been our partner and it gets bad it gets complicated real fast and messy and it's just not fair to expect that for one person to hold all of that need for for us and so widening our networks and having multiple types of relationships to seek support from has been like so necessary for self-care and being able to like be replenished enough to come back and and do our clinical work the next day totally yeah huge and not just other therapists like regular friends <laughs> normal people yeah <laughs> so those are some of the the ways in which like other friends friendships and women friendships specifically like can can bring support um but so some of these more like psychological impacts to the way that maybe women come together um, was kind of outlined in the article. And so um, we wanted to talk through some of those issues as well. So I think that one of the things that really came up for me that was really impactful was reading about how the author was conceptualizing like wounds in childhood, impacting how adult women made friends with other adult women. And that in one of the particular case studies, the woman when she was a little girl her best friend had moved away and they like essentially lost contact through kind of like that slow painful way that friendships end when you're too young to stay in contact long distance and she was really carrying that wound with her into adulthood and so would get into relationships with maybe people that she was at work with or uh, through college and then when jobs changed or college ended she just wouldn't follow up with them and there was like this big block in her of it would be too painful to try to follow up with them, that she would get more hurt. Um, and so the author was really talking about how, like, looking at these patterns across childhood and across adulthood, too, like how relationships continue to be formed is really impactful on how someone might come to friendships in the moment when you're working with them. Another takeaway from the article that I thought was really interesting that there was actually a citation on, so it must have been published elsewhere and studied, <laughs> was this idea that... Um, and this starts to get into something I think we're going to shift to in a moment, but thinking that friendships should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it was cited that contextual friendships, so your work friends or um, friends of friends or your partner's friends, like Mm -hmm. that those aren't, that those don't hold as much weight or value as like finding your own organic friendships or having, you know, preserved friendships with the people you knew when you were eight years old. Um, so these, these contextual friendships can be looked down upon as superficial, but actually are and can be extremely meaningful and important. And that really stuck with me. Uh, and also just the idea that like someone might start out as your partner's friend's wife and then they then you might know them just because you're showing up at the same things and it starts out more surface level and then you can become really close um if you are open-minded and have that space um for that shift yeah and I think not just only from the article but just from what I hear from people (laughs) is this idea that like certain types of friendships are too shallow and that it doesn't really count like if you only know this person because you work together, um, that it's not as meaningful as you, like you said, someone you've known your whole life or from childhood. And like, you know, we would kind of take a step back and look at that, like kind of silly that we put that pressure on those relationships or, or demean them in that way, because it's like, well, as adults, where else are we supposed to meet people? Right? Like, you know, I know not everyone works in traditional workplaces or, or is able to meet friends like that, but like that is for many people, the place where they meet other adults and, yeah, you may start as like, you know, the guy or the lady who sits in the cubicle next to you and you chit chat on your your water break. uh, And then that grows into a more meaningful friendship or maybe just stays as a work friend. And that's okay. That's still a source of support that you need someone who gets what it's like to be at your maybe crappy office job or, you know, knows what it's like to work the graveyard shift. Like, those relationships are still important and the way that we come to them prevents us sometimes from kind of gleaning the, the value from them. Totally. And I think case in point, um, you and me uh, <laughs> did start out as coworkers and just uh-huh. together in the struggle. And now look at us hanging out together voluntarily <laughs> with great emotional depth. Yes, and this is not, we don't only hang out when we're recording. Sometimes we right. have private conversations. <laughs> right, and I think um, as, you know, friendship enthusiasts, we were both really open to that, and so it happened maybe quicker and easier, And um, but, but what a gift. Oh, yeah, definitely, and yeah, you're right. We were open to it, so it was able to, to develop, uh, and I think that's something that we would hope to instill yeah. in other people is, like, being able to be open to opportunities for friendships with without having this judgment of, well, it's not the same if I met them through my partner, or I met them at work, that there's, there's not a need for friendships to be this like crusade where you hunt down people in the wild and befriend them <laughs> from nothing. <laughs> right. And I think like, um, like having other mom friends, right. And just people like you meet at the park when you're there with your kid, like, there's something really valuable about the contextual overlap because they may know what you're going through in a way that your your old friend that you've known since when you were eight that doesn't have kids can't connect to. So just, just leaving space, I think, for friendships and connections in all these different areas of life. Yeah. And that those contextual friendships, if they don't go beyond the context, are not 
irrelevant, right? If you mm-hmm. only talk to your mom friends about mom stuff, yeah, that makes sense. They're your mom friends and you're not gonna, you don't need to call them up every time you have like a complaint about your partner or want to talk about the latest movie you watch. Like you might have other friends that you only talk to about movies and not your kids because they're child free. Like that's okay too. If the context, the context of that relationship like maintains and, and you don't really branch beyond it. Um, but we could probably talk about this specific point for hours. So we <laughs> will move on. Um, but I think one thing that, that we've both kind of alluded to, and is probably the crux of, of our message here is these kind of stereotypes, challenges, shadow sides to, to women friendships that really get in the way of allowing for meaningful relationships with other women to blossom. Um, that that's what they are. They're, they're roadblocks. Um, and so we want to kind of, like you said, at the, up at the top, name it to tame it, just kind of put it on the table, give some of our perspectives on them. Um, just so that people can like kind of be aware of how these really insidious cultural forces, right. Cause they're, these are cultural stereotypes about women, um, how it can prevent these friendships from, from blossoming. So the first one, um, that, that came up was this concern about getting it right. And so kind of comparing, the friendship that a woman is into these assumptions about what female friendship should be. Right. And I think that fits into what we were just talking about is these expectations um, that we internalize and then undervalue our friendships if they're not fitting into this, this idea. And there was a, a really powerful example from the article was the, the older woman, I think the pseudonym was like Helen or something was, saying like, well, I don't, I don't have any friends. And now that I'm older, all my friends are like dying. And there was a lot there, but basically as she was saying this, then the author asked her like, well, what is a friend? And she described it. And then the author was like, well, you have people that you do that with now that are that, that supportive, loving presence in your life and aren't those friends. And so like this, this, the patient's idea of what friendship should look like was getting in her own way of being able to acknowledge she does have those friends right now. Um, and I think we both have looked at that as like, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy to get in your own way of being able to connect to other people by saying, well, I'm not doing it in the right way. Mm-hmm. I, like it's, it's just the book club friend or it's, it's just a coworker. And then when you say that, but if it's just fill in the blank, you keep it in that place. You don't allow that space for the relationship to evolve and deepen. Totally, totally. And like kind of the the balance here is that, yes, some contextual friendships will stay in that context, but by limiting and using those words, like it's just the context or it's just this friend, you don't allow the possibility for more to grow. And so it's kind of this balance of like, obviously not everyone you meet is going to be your best friend for life. But when we assume of like, oh, I'm just meeting this woman for coffee because we our kids share a carpool, you're limiting the possibility of being able to like go a little bit deeper with, with that person. Totally. And I don't want to undermine it or make it seem like it's, it's easy to go a little bit mm-hmm. deeper, but I, I really believe and, and put this in my, my work all the time, as well as I try to put it into action in my own life. I believe that the people, humans really have a desire to connect and also are terrified of the rejection, right? Of, of initiating that connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, when I have put myself out there with that, the, like 
and express the intention to connect, people are really excited and, and want to also connect. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Like just being open to it can pull, draw from other people that connection. And I think one thing that was demonstrated in the article too, was like this idea of what connection looks like when compared to other women can be really paralyzing too of that for some people, like you, you may look around and see women around you having these like very deep emotional relationships and every conversation is a cry fest and <laughs> like you know I say that as like me and Anne are those friends or <laughs> like we're in the corner of the restaurant sobbing over life plans and <laughs> life up- updates at brunch okay. <laughs> not hypothetical <laughs> not hypothetical um and that's not, I think some women look at that and say well that's not how I relate to other people I don't uh, maybe uh, they're more analytical or they're even like if we're talking about like neurodivergence or other ways of communication styles, like just that, that way of displaying empathy is not the same for every person, which duh, right. We're all individuals and we all come to it in a different way. But for women, it becomes this like prescriptive thing of if your empathy doesn't come off like that, then it's not real empathy and it's not real female friendship. And that I think is the very limiting stereotype from culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next to the article's title, I'm not good at friends. I, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Um, the next thing that came to mind for me, like the, the shadow side and the challenges, um, just reflecting on friendships that I've participated in or observed go awry, is uneven expectations. So mm. one, usually in like a dyad, two friends, one person feels mad that the other person is not meeting their expectation. And, and sometimes I see this with like jealousy, like mm-hmm. maybe your friend gets a new partner or gets a new friend and you feel like mm-hmm. you're being replaced and it's really vulnerable and hard to communicate that. So instead you just shut it down or drift away. Um, or this idea similar how we were saying like, one's partner cannot fulfill every need. Maybe one single friend cannot fulfill every emotional need too, especially if someone's in a a time of of real struggle and crisis and it's a heavy, heavy load to be their, their person. Yeah, I would agree. Same rules apply of that. Sometimes we get a spread around the friends and that's why it's important to have kind of those different layers of friends of like there there's, it's sometimes it's important to have that friend that's like go to my life is falling apart like and you just show up in my house and like make me dinner because I'm falling apart and then there's some friends where you're just like hey do you have a recipe for lasagna because I need it for a party and like that's the level you go to is just like helping each other out every once in a while um and so having that kind of like not to say a tiered or hierarchy system but just being open to this different kind of ways of relating to other people just again spread around the burden not that you're a burden but spreads around the this the assistance that you may need or the support that you need um and hopefully then your friends can also get that back too from from their social support networks that and where you slot into it so great point yeah i think that makes a lot of sense and um the communication right piece comes in a lot there too and i think we won't go down our attachment rabbit hole today, but 
you know, that I, I do think about like anxious attachment there, like um, even the expectation, you know, different people have different communication styles and some people are really good at texting back right away. Other people are terrible texters. Some people want to talk on the phone and don't want to be texting and, and um, everything in between and just those different expectations um, can get get us in our heads of like oh well why doesn't she ever call me or why don't we why do she only call me why do we never go out to dinner um and it can be hard to like communicate our our pain that that comes from around that yeah yeah and i think we do a really good job of educating people well maybe not a very good job but we we have a lot of resources to educate people to how to communicate with like a romantic partner but those skills are just as useful in platonic relationships or friendships. And especially when jealousy is in the room, like being able to be really upfront with someone and saying, this is how I like receive care and how I give it. Like, this is where I'm at. I want to know where you're at and kind of navigating those boundaries and, and those dynamics is super important with friends too. And I think that often gets left out of, especially in the field, gets left out of the skills we teach and the resources we give and friendships need those communication skills just as much as partnered relationships. Oh yeah. And I think not that everyone, including ourselves are just experts at doing it with partners, <laughs> but to the, to the article's point, like it's a lot more um, typical, more common for someone to bring that into therapy, like an issue with a partner and to, acknowledge the challenge of communication and to seek support um but not as typical um to come in and say i'm having difficulty navigating a friendship or you know what what should i do with this yeah and i think being on the clinician side like i don't often ask my clients about their friendships i I ask about their partnered status and their their relationships there but i don't really ask about friends in that same way or uh, like, yeah, even consider leaving space for that to be a conversation. So I think, yeah, it's like kind of both sides of clients maybe don't know to bring that in and we're not asking. Uh, And so I was really struck by this article of like kind of its encouragement to figure out what's going on with your client's friends and, and how those relationship dynamics can help you figure out there are other dynamics, um, but that they're also a really important part of our clients' lives. And so we can like kind of breathe healing into those relationships, just like we would with family or partner relationships. Mm, that's lovely. <laughs> breathe healing. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, like to your point about uneven expectations and jealousy, like just like with partners, I think it comes up for friends. Another one that um, kind of the challenges that came up was these kind of natural life or developmental transitions, such as um, moving out of like graduating college and maybe moving away from the girls that you lived with and maybe had like super intense relationships with. And now you're all in adulthood in these different parts. Um, and it can feel like a loss because the relationship has changed due to the life transition. And that ends up in people and women, women feeling shame around I can't maintain these relationships. It's not like how it used to be. So I must be bad at this. And that's kind of the the shame plays that mediating role in like convincing the woman I'm not good enough at this. So I can't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah, definitely the expectations piece there. Um, I hope to do a follow-up on 
uh, men's friendships at some point, because I think that's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking about like maybe stereotypically um, a group of like dude buddies in college may not have the same expectation for like emotional depth. Um, just again, speaking from my own experience here. And so for them, maybe they get together, you know, a couple of years down the line for a bachelor party and it's like no time has passed. Um, but for women, there can be a lot more, I think, pain in the transition. Um, again, like you said, like, especially when there's, there's so much overlap and you're so tuned into the, the details of life and then you share this context, there's always something new going on that's shared to talk about. And then you're far apart and it's a new navigation and it can feel um, like a loss. Even if the, the connection and the love is still there between the people, it's harder when there's not all this shared life around it. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think sometimes highlights maybe how much work the context was, was playing in these relationships. And then when the context is removed, makes the woman feel insecure about her ability to do what the context was doing. Um, and that's an area again, where like, we, we're not good at teaching those skills. Like that's not a conversation that we have. And I think especially for like little girls, we don't say this is how you be friends. It's just this cultural expectation that you're more emotional than boys. You're more, you're more mature than the boys your age. So you kind of have to band together and figure it out because you're not like boys. Um, And then, but there's no specific, there's no explicit, like, this is how you do it. This is how you foster a long-term relationship or a friendship, or this is how you end a friendship when it's at its kind of natural conclusion. And so then we get to be adults. We're like, what, (laughs) what am I supposed to do when these like transitions come up or the friendship has just run its course? You know, sometimes they, they're just done. Yeah like an old saying like people are in your life for a reason or a season or something else <laughs> we'll look that up <laughs> um, but i think the you know the life transitions also can bring up the um issue of uneven expectations and jealousy and i i remember that like my super close college friends and living apart and then seeing them in facebook pictures with new friends I'm like who is that but, you know, but it's like, of course, of course, they should make friends, but it's still maybe like bittersweet because you're sad that you can't go be on their pub trivia team um, anymore. Yeah. And that we need to make space for those conflicting feelings of like the, the joy and the happiness for your friends being happy, but also almost like a bit of grief and loss of I can't be there and it's not like it used to be. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad friend because that negative feeling comes up or that experience of loss comes up. But if we don't process it and give it space, then it festers. And that's when we end up in those positions where we say, well, I'm done. I'm I'm not going to talk to them again. They don't care about me. And the the shame and, and grief kind of festers to a point where it makes the relationships untenable. So I think like, one thing that I hope comes out of this hopefully continued conversation is like just giving space for those conflicting feelings about friends that it does not need to be 100% love and joy and, and puppy dog tales for it to be a good friendship that we're people and stuff comes up. Is that what little boys are made out of? 
I was flipping the script. Okay. 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 <laughs> you know what? Non-binary vibes. <laughs> um, yeah. So then our last kind of stereotype, I think, is this, and this came out of the article as well, but this cultural myth that all women are pros at navigating all emotions um, and that all women are really good at empathy and that that myth can be really limiting for women who don't fit into that description or experience empathy and emotionality in a different way. Um, and that for both of the women in the case studies, that was kind of the case is that they didn't experience emotions in the way that they thought they were supposed to or how they thought other women were experiencing them. And that prevented them from kind of getting close to others. Um, and like, it's, I think we can both agree it's not true that all women are <laughs> good at emotions and like even women who maybe do present as really emotion emotionally intelligent or empathetic have times when they're not so great with their emotions like yeah <laughs> the two people on this call are a great example <laughs> but this this myth really locks you into it has to be this way totally yeah and i, I know I, I was thinking about us and people that pride themselves and committed years and years of our life to studying emotions and communication about emotions. Like we're still human and we still have blind spots and um, backgrounds and challenges. And so this idea that everyone needs to be an expert in this sets everyone up to fail and feel bad. And then again, can start that vicious cycle of shame and withdraw and isolation Whew. happy Valentine's day <laughs> um and you know because we here on psychologically minded like to critique media like that is the way in which depictions of female friendship are given is either like really intensely emotional close friendships or as like shallow and catty right that like i think a lot of I'm thinking of like my heyday of like early 2000s rom-coms like women friendships were either to serve the romantic relationship of a man and a woman or were um, like these shallow kind of catty friendships where they were inherently in competition for the attention of a man and it's like you know if that's what I was growing up with and you know I, I got out of that I think I was able to heal a little bit of that but like that's almost the toxic fog over these like big questions and, and big topics about how to like relate to other people is this this fog over it of well you have two choices you could be like best friends that spend every waking minute together and know how each other are feeling all the time or you're in competition for a man or job or you know fill in the blank Oh, wow. Yeah. What a, what a dichotomy that is. And then in addition to regular media, I think social media can, can do a lot um, of damage uh, in this area like many others. But, um, you know, if you're feeling insecure or like your friendship life isn't where you want it to be, you're so sensitive to every image of, you know, seeing other people's highlight reel and all this fun they're having, their Instagram stories, mm -hmm. the, the cheers boomerang, and this idea that, like, oh, well, everyone else is clearly having mimosas every weekend and 
um, hanging out with, going to bachelorette parties and just surrounded by divine feminine energy that is leveling up their lives and I am incompetent and Mm -hmm. going to be eaten by my cat when I die alone in my apartment, for example, because (laughs) husband's diapers. Statistically speaking, and the cats will eat you because they have no loyalty. Yeah, but I yeah, and I agree. I think the role of social media. You know, I I hesitate for the message to always be social media bad all the time because I think it can also be a tool for facilitating friendships. Um, but yeah, I think when when we are locked in kind of the shame and the the belief of I'm not good at this or I can't relate to other women, and then to see pictures of, you know girl girl power retreats feels like what am I doing here you know I I can't I can't fit in I can't be like that um and so yeah I think it there's more to tease out there that we can definitely (laughs) like continue to to talk about um but just kind of the dichotomy of social media too can be that it's useful to stay in touch and that you know one of the takeaways from the article was for the, the client to really lean into making those connections on Facebook when you see pictures of your friends that have moved away rather than kind of allowing the bitterness to set in of using that as a motivator to reach out and say like, Hey, I just saw, you know, your post about your promotion. Like, that's awesome. What's going on. And using that as a moment and a motivator to connect rather than allowing that bitterness and shame to kind of set in and say, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm bad. I'm missing out. I think that's such a great point and really gets at our overall, um, being here of complexity and we it is it is a mistake to think something is all good or all bad you know and yeah definitely social media is is one of those things where it can add to your pain or add to your joy and it's it's there it exists um so just expanding the possibility and and checking with yourself of what what does this do it's same with media right maybe watching Sex in the City inspires you to um, connect to your friendships. I mean, it makes you feel bad that you're not having these brunches. I think I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about brunch. Um, but, you know, to, just to make space and to just check in with how these, these things we consume are impacting us and what we want to do with that feeling. Totally. And that is a perfect setup for our final section, which is our takeaways (laughs) and always coming in with the assist um, of just like, you know, sometimes we get to the end of these episodes. It's like, okay, now what? Right. We've learned, we've talked about these things. Now what? And so I think definitely one takeaway is like, you know, coming to social media with that kind of approach, like checking in, is this generating pain or joy? And maybe it's different at different times and changing your relationship to social media when, when need be. Um, And I think like a big, big takeaway is just like kind of maybe communally letting go of some of these assumptions and expectations of women friendship and being able to, for yourself, define what do you want out of friendship? What do you want from this type of intimacy? What is it going to look like for you? And instead of comparing yourself to other female friendships around you, how can you live into what you have in the moment and uh, connecting and growing that depth with people in the way that works for you and does bring you joy um, rather than following a script of what a friendship should look like. Couldn't have said it better myself. 
uh, I think it's all there, right? Uh, it's an individual journey too of checking in with with our own self and just just a time to reflect maybe this Valentine's season. Um, and if there are particular female friendships that you feel really nurtured by, maybe giving that friend a call or whatever your preferred way to communicate is and letting them know um, and expressing that, that gratitude. Um, or if, if this conversation has sparked you to think about changes you want to make, you know, give it a go. Be bold. We believe in you. Yeah. This is your uh, invitation to take that step that maybe you've been thinking about for a while. Or um, this can be your motivator to, to reach out to that friend. Or to maybe cut a friend off that you realize isn't serving you and isn't um, meeting your needs. But that's, again, another week. <laughs> Um, and I think, you know, for the therapists that listen, because I know you're out there, um, I think one kind of takeaway for those of us in the field is like asking our clients about friendships and kind of how can we pull in all the great resources and things that we have in the field and, and all of the tools for healing that we have and how can we apply those to friendships? Um, because our clients may not be partnered, they may not be connected with their families, but they're likely to have friends or have people in their lives in those different contexts that could become friends. So how can we kind of breathe that healing into those areas? Absolutely. Well, Anne, this was a wonderful episode. We're going to keep it short for y'all because last time Anne was on, it was almost three hours. I think it was a big one. So we're just doing a little dip in, dip out this week. Um, but as we wrap up, Anne, any last takeaways or thoughts you have about Galentine's and female friendship? You know, I think we, we've just about covered it. And I, I guess um, as such, I'll just say I am grateful for your friendship, Grace, and grateful for your um, real mission, personally and professionally, to, to spread connection between women. I think it's a beautiful thing and it's been really exciting to be a part of. Aww. Well, thank you. And thank you for joining me. Um, and as always, we thank you for listening all the way through and I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.